Hey guys, welcome to the show. Uh, it is Monday. Um, I, I see we're having trouble with our Rumble stream. Uh, what would a day be without uh, a little bit of trouble somewhere? Sorry, we're a little late. Uh, that's my fault. I was ca caught up putting the tweet out and uh, we were, of course, chatting uh, while I was doing it so that my productivity turns to zero once uh, we start talking about something. Um, but that being said, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, this is the Council on Future Conflicts, episode 258. Uh, I'm Scott, the proprietor of the Future Conflict YouTube channel. Uh, and we're here to talk about the, the problems in the world and, and where it's going uh, and how we can, uh, you know, meet the meet those issues head on uh, with a clear eye and uh, and, and good judgment. Um, with the, with me, as always, is the Council on Future Conflict. Uh, Joe, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Spent my entire day with with like minded folks, uh, learning to get a little bit more prepared at a uh, preparedness picnic. Good time was had by all. Led a uh, panel on how to build a community group and uh, participated in a Second Amendment panel and taught a class on radios. So all in all, a good day and uh, met a lot of uh, folks I've ran into at various places. Some of Matt's students, some of my own and just a great day hanging out with like minded folks. So cool. Very, very, very cool. Um I don't know, Peter. I don't know if you're there. Uh, you yeah. muted yourself. There we go. He, there he is. Um, Pete, welcome back. You, you've been on once before, I think, but you've been in running in our circle, uh, at least on Twitter, for a long time. <laughs> for a long time, and so it's just it's good to have you back. I know you've you've had some medical stuff going on, but you're you're on the backside of it now. Um, glad you could get back, and uh, hopefully we'll be seeing you a lot more of you around here. Yeah, uh, I appreciate you, uh, you know, re-offering uh, me to come back onto the show. And, and yes, I've uh, pretty much took a hiatus from Twitter and uh, various other types of social media for several months. So I could focus on my recovery from uh, my fourth shoulder surgery in the last five years. And this one being a, uh, a, a reverse total shoulder, a total reverse um, uh, replacement. And wow. so hopefully this will uh, correct all the issues that I have. And um, so, yeah, yeah that's, that's the big hope. And I apologize if you can hear my two-year-old daughter kind of like <laughs> crying in the background as she is just being a toddler. So That, yeah, that just great. lets it's, us know you're human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's great to be back. Uh, I love it. Um, I, you know, it's great to be part of the show and the team and uh, a part of these, uh, these, uh, uh, these great guys here. And, yeah, look forward to, you know, continuing on and with y'all. Yeah, no, it's good to have you back. Um, you know, not that I mean, I think you were kind of getting ready to jump in with both feet with us before, right? When you started kind of going through, uh, you know, all your stuff, and so you, it was kind of like a, you know, you weren't able to get really into the swing of it. So we're looking forward yeah. to to getting you back on the team and uh, and and rowing with full force. We can always use another smart, motivated dude to help us out because. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, even with uh, all my ride or die guys here in the CFC, it, we can always use another guy who's uh, who has one or two brain cells that they can put together. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm not, I don't know if I'm smart, but I can deep dive and research like a son of a bitch. So. I tell you, man, don't don't uh, 
you know, what happens when you uh, turn the uh, internet autists of the world loose? Uh, it's a, it'll be a hell of a thing. Oh yeah. Um, watcher, how are you doing? Do you have oh, a good, good morning? Oh yeah. Wish it would have rained a little less and were a little more sunny, so we could have done some more fishing. But uh, can't really complain. Good. Weekend. Yeah. Well, you know, anytime you get to go fishing with the kids, you know, that's a, it's a hell of a thing. Um, all right. So I just want to kind of go over a couple things. Um, if you missed it, I was on with Andrew legal mindset, Andrew, uh, on, uh, Saturday, my time Friday night, uh, us time. Uh, we had a great time. I was on with him for about an hour and a half and we talked extensively about Niger. Uh, then we went into more Africa general stuff and, and then some other, uh, unrelated topics just kind of as they popped up. Um, he had a really good show and we, I think we had 450 people in his live chat at one point. Um, so that was, and he told me, he was like, yeah, I was expecting 250 and we got 450. So that's good. And, uh, and he said he got some really good feedback from, um, from some of his insiders. So, uh, we'll try to be scheduling more with Andrew, maybe quarterly going, uh, forward, especially now that I'm back in a stable, uh, uh, situation here back in Korea. Um, and I missed my guys. I know, I, you know, Stan and Joe weren't able to come. They both had the, the invite, but, you know, in my defense, it was my birthday and there was alcohol. So <laughs> I wondered, I, you know, cause I knew it, it was your birthday. I wondered, I was like, maybe Ms. Dolio is, uh, Got him tied up to the bed or something. <laughs> Quite frankly, she's far better looking than you are. So I spent the time with her. So. Oh, yeah. well, I can't argue with that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't be there, unfortunately, because uh, it started at the exact same time as uh, my best attended weekly event here at the shop. So. Well, so uh, Andrew and I held it down, though, uh, and looking forward to getting um, – Andrew, come back on this channel uh, where he can you can talk about some things maybe on this channel that he can't talk about on his channel. Maybe we'll get him on for a domestic Friday or uh, what I'd really like to do is get him on with. I, has he ever been on with Canine Reaper? I don't think he has. Um, no, but I want to I want to try to get Canine Reaper on with him. And I suggested that to him and I think he's open to it because I, I would love to see Canine Reaper get a little more, um, a uh, little more exposure. exposure. Yeah. For, for what he's doing. Cause he's really, well, maybe that's, some amazing that's how stuff. we do the fundraiser for him. Right. Maybe. I mean, maybe, who knows? Maybe, maybe Andrew would be up for, for, I don't know. I mean, cause the last time he did a fundraiser, it was, it was for veteran stuff. And this is, he's more our guy. So maybe it would make more sense yeah. to, you know, do it, do it over here with us uh, because it's not a charity, right? It's, it's literally a fundraiser just for a guy we know. And so there's a little more trust, I think, that has to go into that. Um, oh, it may be members only at this point. Um, watcher, I think you're, you're, you're looking. No, I, I, I just realized what the problem is. It was a live stream and I was looking in the videos section. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, anyway, we did that on Saturday and then on Friday, I want to 
I want to say thank you to all you guys, whether you're, uh, we got rumble working. So whether you're one of our rumble guys, um, who are always there on rumble or, or you were one of the people who are, you come to YouTube and then, um, and then you come over to, uh, rumble, um, because what we ended up doing, uh, on, um, what we did on Friday was uh, we did what about 30 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, I think, uh, on the YouTube channel. Kind of got a little bit of a crowd in here, and then we sw- we threw it over to a Rumble only, so we could be a little more uh, unconstrained <laughs> which, in our our commentary. Which unintentionally made that the second best attended CFC live show ever. <laughs> yeah, ex- that's exactly right. Um, within 24 hours, we had over 2,000 views, and um, at the time, to- at the time, our high was uh, 320 people live uh, over there on Rumble. So, uh, and we were able to, and you know, with you guys, you know, basically just doing what I asked, um, you guys were able to uh, to put us over a uh, thousand uh, uh, followers over there on uh, Rumble. So that was a big help. So thank you very much. Uh, appreciated that. Um, so, you know, we may do that as a par for the course on Fridays, maybe do uh, like one odds and end, like introductions and one odds and end over on YouTube. And then just to kind of get the crowd in yeah. and then do a throw over to, um, uh, to, uh, I'm Rumble saying for the uh, because that seemed to work pretty well. Now, if we could only figure out a way to, you know, get get those super the the, the, the Rumble rants going, <laughs> the Rumble rants to come across. Yeah, uh, all I'm all I'm going to say is somebody made a real nice looking outro video for when we decide to tell YouTube to piss yeah. off, and it'd be a shame not to use it. That's exactly right. Uh, all right, let's see. Let's go through the chat a little bit. Who who do we have here? Fetter Lumpkin, of course. Like that that nodule, that the Quato nodule coming out of his uh, neck is just gross. Uh, Rick Duca Malta, good to see you, brother. Of course, uh, you know we wouldn't it wouldn't be a show without Joe uh, saying mean things about me in the chat. Um, <laughs> I have to ask, we, where's Cervix? I haven't seen Cervix Hammer in a while. I'm starting. I'm starting to feel left out. I th- I saw him last week. Last week, okay. there's Danielle. Right. From, she's one of the mods over at uh, Andrew's channel. We got wet, uh, Daisy Girl Williams, uh, Matt Grizzly. Let's see who else we got in the chat. Uh, Fetus eight ten. Uh, nice to see you, brother. Uh, Josh Good Clark. Dude. Met uh, him. Uh, met him live and in person this weekend. Great dude. Is that the Fetus? That's him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's uh. It's always cool when you guys uh come up to us in a um. Uh, in a live event, uh, and speaking of live events, we're really thinking about uh, what we can do to really kind of turn it up for that live event next year. Um, we're still all in the brainstorming phases at this point, but uh, hopefully by December we'll have some. We'll start to have well, some plans coming. Together. I know he took lots of notes in my radio class, so we'll see if the FCC shows at my door later today whether <laughs> he was a fed or not. So <clears throat> here's the funny part: uh, though. I was giving the class, and I mentioned sad hams turning you into the FCC. And at that moment, a helicopter flew low over us. And I said, see, here they come. It was hilarious. Anyway. <laughs> Let's see. Who else do we have? Uh, Matt Grizzly. Let's see. 
uh uncle bob's bees nice to see you brother pyramids uh seven um hairway to steven love that uh love that name cold war prepper thanks for being here uh icy brain limey a lot of src more you know a lot to, great to see a lot of the uh our ride or die folks in the chat um so real quick uh this is one of the so me and andrew talked a little bit and you know he was reminding me of best practices like what one of the things that uh you know was like hey make sure you acknowledge the people in your chat especially the ones that uh, are always there um so that's i just did that and the other thing he told me to do is to remind you guys that uh if you want a, an easy way to support the show kind of fire and forget is to either become a member on youtube become a member on rumble uh that's another option or locals uh any one of those three options is a, is a good way to just kind of uh, join us and get access to everything we do. Uh, when we do uh, member-only type things, um, we generally do those on Gilded. Now that I'm back in Korea, we'll we'll start working in some Saturday uh, movie nights, um, and that'll be a uh, a member-only type of deal. Uh, and we'll just pull the member lists from all of our uh, platforms so that, uh, and then we'll make sure that we give you access. Um, on uh gilded so uh if you are a member on one of our things make sure you get it when you come into gilded uh you you basically let me joe or uh or watcher know so that we we add you to it you can do us to a like a message uh to us and um that'll be where we do our member stuff um i'd like to to transition that stuff over to rumble but with youtube membership i think watcher can't we whitelist people on on locals so that even yes. if they're not a member through locals, they have access to member stuff. Correct. There's also a way to give out a free monthly membership. Ah, uh, okay. So we could just give all the YouTube members. Okay. Just give them a code right. and then they can punch that in. Yeah. So I just want to make sure you guys are tracking what we do to kind of raise funds around here. Um, if this content's worth your while and it's, and you think it's worth five bucks a month, uh, we appreciate that. I know a lot of you guys have already uh, become members. Um, another thing, I've promised this, but we're actually getting uh, prepped to do it. Uh, we're going to get some little icons made for all the, the members. Oh, shit, uh, yeah. So real quick, guys, the, the big hangup has just been me trying to decide what you guys would want. And I think a way better way to do that is just to have you guys make submissions. Just tell me what you want, and I'll make it happen. Um, you know, anything that's, uh, it's good with the lore of the show. Like I think, uh, like a, you know, of course a Joe's, uh, shorts, um, one. We, we, we've I, got I, a Joe's shorts and we've got a, um, we've got a, uh, a, a, we, we have several. Run. Yeah, we have <laughs> several, we have several and then some emojis and things like that, uh, we'll be making for the channel as well. So, um, those would all be available to you guys that are members. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not real super good at the whole YouTube thing. Um, but, uh, we're gonna, we're, we're up in our game, uh, now that we're back in a little better situation. Well, hey, um, and speaking of, we, speaking of acknowledging our chat real quick, I just want to say hairway to Steven, best of luck, man. Yeah. Oh shit, yes, man. Absolutely. And speaking listen, of show he's, he's experienced in this. You can, you can ask him. Oh, <laughs> Uh, I tell you, I know, I know how you feel. Uh, I've actually never had surgery um, ever in my life, and I've got my first one coming up. Speaking of shoulder oh. shoulder surgery, I've got 
it's it's not scheduled yet, but I already know it's going to happen here probably in the next six months. Okay, so now uh, I have to ask: Have you ever broken a bone? No. Oh. Well, yes, yes, I've broken bones. I just never done anything with them. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> the one surgery I've had was done by a Navy doc on an aircraft. So. <laughs> I, I, I went to I went to Ranger School with a broken toe, and and my foot was like black on day one. Uh, that was uh, that was not awesome, but uh, it actually oh, didn't no. bother me too bad. Um, it was only sore after the runs. My, mine was the opposite. I, I went to combat training with perfect feet, and I came out with three hammer toes. <laughs> um. All right. Is that? Oh, the last thing I want to do. I know we got started late today, but I want to make sure we get all this kind of uh, business stuff out of the way. If anybody out there in the chat is interested um, in, in learning how out with the channel, with it, it can be a, a, any 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 number of things, but uh, all of which are things that you know watcher uh, can help you learn. Yep. We, so yeah, that, that's 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 everything from leaving us timestamps in our videos and comments afterwards to and uh, being a to, mod. We're looking yeah. for mods who will be engaged and actually share links and things like that uh, as looking, we talk. Looking for people who are ready to learn how to make clips and notice good clips and potentially I've even got an interesting revenue share for the person who's willing to do that. So we'll talk to you. Yeah, so if you're interested in video editing or YouTube in general and all that kind of stuff and you want to get a little more involved with the channel, um, definitely hit, hit us up. Uh, it, it may not pay, but uh, we would, be able, we would of course, whitelist you for anything we're oh. doing member-wise and, and probably throw some free patches and well, other and merch stuff at your way. Honestly, this is, this is a live discussion, Scott, and I haven't talked about this before the show, but honestly, I feel like whoever's doing the, the clip show should upload the clips to their own channel and they can make their own money off of the clips that they make just like they do with Andrew's channel. Yeah. I, I don't know how that works. So I'm, I'm, I'm open to pretty much anything. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, tell watcher to reach out to me on Twitter. To, to I, I think, I think that goes the other way. Just DM me, Jim. <laughs> uh, Let's see. All right. Um, that's all I got. Sorry this, that took so long, um, but uh, we just had a couple of pieces of business to take care of. Sorry that we're starting late. We are going to rip through these odds and ends uh, so we can jump into the topics because I have a bedtime and I can't stay up too, too late. Do we have any mods on uh, Rumble? Uh, I, don't I don't think we have any mods so. on Rumble. I don't know that you can. Let's see. Can I? Yeah, I don't. I haven't no, seen this is like some dude yet. who wants to be an anti-Trump guy over there. Listen, we're not even Trump fans on this channel, so maybe your efforts will be spent say. somewhere that's else a, better. Seriously. A, it's just annoying at this point. It's a weird fetish, but good for you. Uh, yeah. Mr. It's cool. Uh, <laughs> you think about Trump way more than the rest of us, brother. Have a nice day. Uh, anyway. Well, we but uh, speaking of people being real salty, I think that that leads us nicely into our uh, our first odds and ends, which is uh, it's a two parter. See, first, we've got this article written by Slate titled Don't Be Fooled by the Title. The most vividly drawn villains in Richmond, north of Richmond, aren't rich to, to which I decided to do just a, a, a touch of investigating. And I asked myself, hey, where is where is Slate magazine 
located. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right in the spot they were talking about. It's funny how that works, huh? Yeah, I, um, I just, uh, I, I, this should, it, it's got meme potential. I feel. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, it's just one of those kind of head scratchers, you know, uh, but it's not the. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> um, let's see the next. Uh... Oh, you know what? Right. Give me just a second. Uh, uh, Scott, the next one is hidden behind a paywall. Oh, which one is this? Uh... Times for the uh, Snow White story. I... You know, you know, for me, it's it's open. So, mm, Okay. <laughs> I think it, it 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 started to give me the paywall, but then uh, it it took it away. So maybe it's all that I wasn't in the U.S. Uh, okay, um, I'm going to oh, go ahead and start it. reading it. Yeah, I'm yep, going to start. Good. This is a epic time story. Uh, original Snow White director's son slams Disney 2024 remake. Insulting disgrace, they said. Um, they're making up new woke things, and I'm just not into any of that. Um, all right, so real quick. Uh, while the release of the new Snow White movie is still a year away, the son of the man who animated and directed the original version has called the the new concept a disgrace uh, and labeled the woke things that they've made us made up as insulting. Uh, uh, David Hand, son of animator and director of the original version, uh, who was known by the same name, issued a harsh rebuke uh of the remake telling the telegraph on august 18th that disney's woke version is an insult to his father's work it's a whole I, different concept i just want to take a moment and, and once again call for whoever came up with the scare quote and popularized it to be uh quote ostracized from society end quote yeah um it's a whole different concept, and I just totally disagree with it. And I know my dad and Walt would very much disagree with it. He, uh, he says, well, it's here's a my thought process about it. It's a traditional German folktale, right? Mm -hmm. Why? Why would we want to change it to something other than what the folktale was? So, anyway. Yeah. I, so anyway, that's the main gist of the story, guys. I mean, you, okay. So how? Why is this have to do with um, future conflict, right? And I know probably some people in the council may even agree as well. Like, oh, this doesn't really have to do with conflict. Well, I I beg to differ because the culture is something that um, is a kind of a leading indicator for both with the direction. You know, goes back to the cultures down is upstream of uh, politics. Um, you know, so it's a leading indicator from which way the, uh, the politics are, of the day are going to go. But it's also, you know, the touchstone for the things that we hold dear. Right. Uh, I know that I have, you know, pretty amazing memories from when I was a child going to Disney World, you know, and the fact that I feel like I can't even take my family there now, um, you know, is sad, you know, OK, you know, if they want to do that and they can make money and and have a business where they can do that, then that's on them. Uh, but, you know, they're destroying a little piece of America 
Uh, and Walt Disney, if you know anything about his history, was a virulent anti-communist and, um, you know, and he, you know, by all intents and purposes, you know, both through actions and, uh, 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 you know, deeds and words, um, loved America. So uh, I hate to see, the, you know, this, you know, legacy uh, come to this. But uh, anyway, it's just well, another thing. And, you know, I, Blaine brings up something here in the chat, which is Little Mermaid was Danish. Yes, uh, I actually grew up with an original, uh, not not like first edition or anything, but d directly translated Hans Christian Andersen book of fairy tales. Uh, and I always found it kind of odd that Disney's whole shtick from the beginning has been taking real fairy tales with actual morals in them and stripping out all the morals to make them saccharine sweet. And so uh, it, it is kind of clear to me how the how how this progressed from one into the other um at least i see the direct line i don't know if anybody else does uh Belandris, uh it really kind of has it if you don't understand this then then we need to go back and probably re re-hit some of this stuff but essentially what's happening is a is a neo-marxist attack on u.s culture um, you know, from within, essentially, um, these are agent provocateurs provocateurs that are are essentially, you know, chipping away at at you know the foundations of America. Um, yeah, and Blaine's right. You know, Disney now stands on traditional values and uh, st stands against uh, traditional values and families, the very things that made them successful. Exactly right. All right. Uh, Joe, thoughts on this? Uh, you know, it's sad, I but it's I don't just, know. I think that we're beyond the um, the woke nonsense, and we're at the humiliation point. It's yeah. it's no longer about spreading the woke agenda. It's now about humiliating everything that you hold dear, and and altering that history. This is literally 1984 made uh, writ large. It's not actually you know so much about Snow White. I could care less. But it's about the dismantling and retelling of every story we've ever known. So that's a good point, Joe. I don't remember who it was, but uh, somebody during the Cold War commented that a majority of Russian internal propaganda wasn't made to convince anyone of anything. It was meant to be deliberately demoralizing because that was more yeah. effective. Yep. Um, Joshua Clark yes. has a good point right there, too. It's the artistic equivalent of Taliban and the Buddhists. Absolutely exactly right. It was a rare piece yeah. of, of world history they destroyed for no reason. Yeah. Um, what you know, I, I so I was doing a little uh Korean uh cultural awareness today, and um, you know, one of the things that I notice is Korea is very proud of these things that are called intangible cultural heritage, which you know, these are UNESCO, you know, and then so it could be a ceremony or a song, like folk songs or things like this, right? And if you ask me, you know, Disney, it, you know, Mickey Mouse and and Snow White and, you know, all the all these classic animated, you know, films are a part of the, you know, intangible cultural heritage of America. And when you attack those, you're attacking America, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but, you know, it's that's not the way the courts see it. Um, Pete? Any thoughts? I mean, you got a little kid, you know, 
I I wonder, are you going to be showing them classic uh, Disney cartoons and then just kind of staring away from the uh, new stuff, or are you basically saying no mo? <laughs> yeah, so uh, we have a two-year-old daughter. Uh, her name's Charlotte, but we call her Charlie. Uh, and we have uh, purposely collected and uh, retained all of our VHS uh, tapes from when we were uh, my wife and I were kids uh, of like the Disney classic movies, uh, Looney Tunes, that whole genre of you know things that we grew up with. And our intent is to show her uh, and our future kids those. You know, rather yeah. than whatever modern interpretation there currently exists. I uh, love it. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's what that's what our goal is. Um, you know, also, you know, we, we have no intention of giving her a, a screen or so a tablet or anything like that. Um, yeah. you know, well well into her teens. Like she's not going to go to a restaurant and you know, the moment she sits down, she puts her headphones on and she's just glued to a screen. Like that's just not gonna happen. Um, no matter how hard it is for her, for my wife and I, that's just, that's just how it's going to be. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. I mean, it's, it's a struggle with little kids nowadays. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, and, yeah, I hate to say it, it's such an easy button just to kind of throw them, throw an iPad to them or something like that. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and I like sometimes in the mornings, like she kind of wakes up early or she hasn't been sleeping well and, uh, you know, get her, uh, her bottle. And, you know, sometimes I just like throw on the minions from on Netflix and just let her kind of chill out for a few minutes just so I can collect myself. And I know that's kind of a bad habit, but, uh, it's, you know, again, that's just reality sometimes. And, at least minions, you know, are kind of funny. So, yeah. Uh, well, the funny thing is, is uh, you know, when when you look at uh, Universal is like doing a lot of things right. Uh, you know, the the attendance is up at Universal compared to mm -hmm. Disney. Now, I think both of them are down generally, but Disney is down. It's taking a way bigger hit than what Universal is seeing because. People still enjoy seeing the universal stuff because they haven't mm -hmm. gone full, you know, both feet in on the woke stuff. You know? Well, and let's let's be honest. Universal positioned themselves extremely well uh, while while Disney was building the House of Woke. Universal was very busy assembling a list of properties that they could put in their theme park that would outstrip what Disney's doing. If you look at the type of stuff that they're doing in like uh, the harry potter land and now they've got a mario land that's going to be coming there as well honestly disney should be shaking in their boots because their parks were the majority of their revenue stream for a very long time and that's not going to be the same for generations forward mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i i, I kind of am hesitant to introduce uh, uh charlie to the whole you know disney ecosystem because i don't one i don't want her to get addicted to it but two I really don't want to give my money to you know oh. to Disney. Oh, I yeah. don't want to uh, you know have to spend untold amount of money to go visit Disneyland down in Florida, like and, and that whole uh, rigmarole. So I'm very hesitant about that. To to be clear, Pete, my my family's done the same as you. We've we've kind of mm -hmm. got a there's a giant library of VHSs at uh, at Grandma's house, and mm -hmm. until until my oldest was like seven. She thought that Disney only existed as VHSs. So mm. I think that's a that's good. Yeah, I mean, again, they don't. I mean, we live in a you know very rural here in South Carolina, uh, so it's not like she's going to run to a house down the street and you know be uh, uh, you know, have uh, uh, be exposed to you know the, a Disney filled home in that way. So you know, at least we have that going on our side. But the downside is we live in a rural area, so you know pros and cons. 
Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, I think the key is, is to, it's just to, you know, make sure you look at what your kids look at mm -hmm. so that you, you're, you're giving them a good, you know, filter on it before you, you turn them loose. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with like letting them see the old school Disney stuff. I mean, like, I'll be honest with you, you know, I remember going to see like Fox and the Hound, right. When I was, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and you know, the black cauldron, I mean, so they, you know, one of the kind of the dark days of Disney was like, was prime time for me, but even still, I mean, Fox and the Hound, there were themes in there that as a boy I could like identify with. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and actually resonated over some of the princess stuff that, that has come out since then. Um, you know, by the time little mermaid came out, I was kind of aged out of the whole thing. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, and let me, let me get real quick. Let me, uh, Michael Rizzo for 10 bucks. Uh, just a reminder, $10 or more. And, and we interrupt, uh, our business, to, to get, to get to your comment. Rachel Ziegler equals bigot and a cultural appropriate snow white can only be played by somebody of German descent. According to the left. Now, if you remember in the original snow white, they describe her <laughs> as, as having snow white skin or a skin white as snow. Yeah. Uh, that's where her name comes from. Uh, and you know, the, the other thing that's funny, um, you know, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all. The whole point of the huntsman killing Snow White was because Snow White was so beautiful that, um, that the, the evil queen was jealous of her, but what have they done? They put Gal Gadot as the evil queen. I mean, when Gal Gadot, I mean, when the evil <laughs> queen is a, is, a, is a smoke show compared to the Snow White. Yeah. I was going to say it's a real short conflict? movie. It should it's be a about real... a three-minute movie at that point. Okay. Uh, who's the who's the fairest of them all? So the, it's you. You are. Oh, it's nice. you. You are. <laughs> High about five, buddy. No, no, no. <laughs> Forget about her. She's nothing. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting. I think they had to keep the, the name Snow White because if they made it accurate, uh, uh, Mocha White, it sounds like a coffee order. Yeah, or Tan White. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I that's our thoughts on... Uh, on the Snow White thing, I thought that was an interesting thing that he actually came up on the net and uh, had something to say. Uh, evidently, I, I was watching some other uh, YouTube uh, creators, uh, and evidently Disney pulled her into the office and gave her a talking to after some of the dumb stuff she said out there. Because evidently, making news by saying by slagging uh the old uh animated thing is not a is not a good way to go for them so yeah hey uh speaking of acknowledging audiences i do want to send condolences to uh rumble chatter you cost steve who says that uh he's he's given his wife a his wife wanted a disney cruise as a reward for seeing him through seminary uh i'm i'm very sorry well, I've I've heard the only thing that's making money, like like real like hand over fist money, is the uh, cruise line for uh, Disney. Oh, um, I, I I got you, but I, name a cruise you you really want to be on. I mean, I am not a cruise guy. I get the appeal and all. It's just not for me. I mean, you know, like I I, I have cruises in my future. I'm sure just because of my family loves them. Um, but that being said. Uh, yeah, it ain't for me. Um, all right. So let's um, – I'm just kind of going back and forth between YouTube and uh, – let's see. Dyadic has been killing it, uh, you know, kind of cheering you guys on uh, to hit those like buttons. So where are we at? 
Um, let's see. On YouTube, we've got uh, six. Let's see, sixty-five likes on YouTube, and where are we at on Rumble? Was it sixteen? Twenty-six on Rumble with ninety people watching. So, if you guys would be uh, be so kindly, uh, hit that like button on e on whatever platform you're watching. And if you haven't done it already, definitely subscribe to the channel. Um, we're a lot of fun. Uh, we have good stuff. Uh, you know, there was something, uh, if you guys have seen this recent uh, Tucker Carlson interview with uh, Serbia, a lot of stuff was brought up in that, that if you, uh, if you're a fan of this channel, you, you were seeing, you were ahead of the power curve on a lot of that stuff. Well, um, care, so careful, careful. There's certain uh, uh, flying truckers might think ill of you. Well, I, I'm not too worried about that. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure he think ill of us just from our content but uh that being said we'll be talking about that in a little more depth later in the show i just wanted to let you know that uh you know the viewers of this channel are pretty well dialed in and uh having talked to some of you guys in person um i was very impressed so that being said let's uh move on to our next thing this is so uh i i i've got it us in odds and ends today We've got a little Niger story here. We talked a lot about Niger with uh, Andrew uh, on Saturday, but um, you know this is a potential to turn into some a little more than just an odds and ends story uh, later in this week. Um, but for now, basically, uh, this is the what is over the weekend. What we heard there was a counter coup against uh, this uh, General uh, Tichani, uh, and. He, now he's promising to hand over power in three years. So he's basically saying, listen, I'm just trying to square away things today and then we'll hand over power uh, within three years. I mean, you know, how about said the drip on that lizard pattern camo right there? <laughs> <laughs> I, I like he's actually got the Mandarin collar uh, fastened. In Africa, know, they said. all do. They all wear it up. I don't know why. I don't. I mean, maybe they, they somebody explained to them how to wear it, and and a cool guy wore it that way, and then everybody copied him. Um, all right. So what's going on? Um, so he, there was a counter coup against him over the weekend, but evidently that was put down. Uh, somebody said it was just the uh, presidential palace guards weren't getting paid, and so that kind of made them a little. Uh, all they had to do was write a check. Yeah, exactly right, and that was over with as soon as the as soon as the check cashed. Um, I also like how his airborne patch is not the right size for his Velcro underneath. Uh, you think as a general, he could at least get the right size Velcro. Um, anyway, I think an airborne tab. I think it's a tab with a picture of him on it. With wings behind it, but <laughs> seriously, look at it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't warlord, know. I, an African warlord. So I know, right? Well, I he's he's got the uh, brown beret. So I don't. You know, is he a is he an original OG uh, British commando? Um. So and then I guess we saw the ECOWAS has 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 basically come out and said we have a time when we're going to invade, but we're not telling anybody. So it's kind of like you can just always say that's actually pretty smart if you think about it, guys. If I say that I'm gonna, 
I'm going to shut this channel down and I know when I'm going to do it, but I never do it. That means, oh, I just haven't got to the day that I said I was going to shut it down. Or like maybe it would be a bad idea if you were to say withdraw from a country with people who are hostile to you to give them an exact date. That that might be a a really bad thing to do. Now, now, watcher, let's not go. We've seen this before. I'm going to hand over power in whatever year. And then it's like, well, I'm going to have to extend that by a year. And then I'm going to have to extend that by a year. Sounds like COVID to me. But what do I know? Yeah, exactly right. Uh, you know, uh, two <laughs> two weeks to stop the spread, right? <laughs> Turn yeah. into two years to stop the spread. All right, um, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the Niger coup here, uh, and so basically uh, talking about timelines. He's basically said the timeline. Niger's coup leader has promised to return West African nation to civilian rule within three years. Uh, General uh, Tachani made the uh, announcement after meeting with mediators from the West African regional bloc ECOWAS in the capital of Naimi. Uh, ECOWAS has threatened military action to reverse last month's overthrow of President uh, Bazoum if uh, talks fail. The junta heads, I, I, I love how they keep you know calling this a junta. Um, it's almost like somebody's got a fetish for that word um the junta head said that niger did not want a war but would defend itself against any foreign intervention well what's interesting uh, is they call it a junta that overthrew the last junta so it's a counter well, you, junta. you know one of one of the things that china has famously always said is listen stay out of our internal affairs right mm-hmm. well i mean they're kind of not wrong. I mean, this is, I mean, you know, as long as nobody in the streets getting mowed down, I mean, if it would be one thing if it was like a massacre, right? You know, and there was some sort of ethnic cleansing that was going on, you know, if, if something like that was going on, it would really force the international community's hand. But I mean, this is just like a dude. Well- and honestly, I wish I had saved the video from last night, Scott, but I, I watched a guy who had done multiple interviews and cut them together where it was people on the street in Niger saying that if ECOWAS tries to invade, that they're not going to be fighting the couple thousand soldiers. They're going to be fighting mostly the populace because yeah, this so, is apparently very popular in the country. Yeah, this is actually uh, yeah. a very popular coup. Yeah, so one of the things that – so I did a little Niger kind of poll before the show started. And one of the headlines that I noticed was um, that uh, they're o- the the junta is overwhelmed with civilian volunteers who want to take up arms to help defend the country. It's almost so much that they don't they're not they're not able to handle. Um, I'm looking at video here. Actually, let me. Uh, I'm going to share this link in the private chat here, watcher. Oh, let's let me. Got it, got it. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Joe admonishes me and reminds me that uh, this needs to get played. TIA, right, mid? TIA. What's TIA? This is Africa. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Uh, so if you play that uh, video clip uh, from on Twitter there, I think that kind of gives you an idea of, of what, you know, they're dealing with a lot of, 
some 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 Russian flags there in the in, God damn <laughs> every goddamn time. Some uh yeah, and, you know and we're seeing this from Haiti flags. and all the way across Africa, right? Haiti was showing uh that's flags. a North Korean North flag. Korean. Is that a North Korean flag? That's, that's a North, North Korean, Korean flag. flag. I think it's a, a photo of Putin. one. That guy's holding yeah, up a photo, a photo of, Putin. of Putin right there. Oh so man. um Wait, so this is not what you'd call unpopular. Are those are those World Cup vuvuzelas from from back in the day? Oh, I, I'm sure they are. That's oh exactly what they are. <laughs> what a uh, most what that would be the most annoying crowd to be in ever. Um, oh, yeah, I, I had to mute it. It, it, it doesn't sound. If you great. watch when they flip that sign around, it looks like it's got uh, Kim Il Sung on it on the other side of Putin. Yeah, I, I I noticed that. <laughs> that that's Kim Il Sung. I don't know they dubbed that. Out oh shit! <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Things I did not have on my bingo card. <laughs> uh, for those who um, don't well, know, be Kim Jong Un's grandfather. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so now I don't, uh, I have not seen any uh, actual Russian Wagner operators, but with this kind of support, I can't imagine that, like, they're not just, like, they're just around the corner, that like, right out of the camera shot, you know, yeah. um, s sitting in, like, a SUV or something uh, with a couple of radio nets going, um, because, you know, those guys are definitely plugged into this. Yeah, no U.S. flags, uh, Rick. Funny how that is. Weird. Anyway, anyway, so th this is uh, where where we're at right now with Niger. Uh, the war hasn't started yet, um, and my money is still on no war, uh, especially if – what do you bet, Joe, that ECOWAS says? Well, you know, as long as he says he'll give up power, uh, we'll hold him to his word. Uh, well, yeah, I think this is probably an out for him, you know? So, yeah. Well, and it's an out for everybody. It's a it's yeah, an it's off an ramp, easy, uh, easy off ramp. Yep. Well, and and then yeah, then you know he becomes you know he becomes more reasonable, and then the Russians get access. You know there is uh you know you know the the French won't be coming back, um, but uh, you know maybe uh, Nigeria and. Um, you know, and all the other countries around there reopen their borders and and the, uh, you know, but you're going to see that incursion of Chinese and Russian interests, uh, just like you saw in, in the other countries through the, throughout the Sahel. Um, all right. That's about all I've got for odds and ends today, guys. You know, like I said, we got a, a late start today so i, I don't want to belabor anything um because uh, these are these two topics we're going to talk about are definitely uh interesting and uh you know even like with the ukraine when there's all kinds of little things happening over there you know joe one of the things that i was thinking about ukraine over the weekend is that i'm not interested in the whole like ukraine story that much right but what i yeah. find myself fascinated by are the little are a the macro trends like when you pull out beyond Ukraine and 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 focus more on the European region and whatnot, um, but also when you sh when you deep dive into the micro stuff, right? Like, so what is warfare? 
you know, what are, what are we learning about warfare? What are we relearning about warfare uh, in this? You know, what works, what doesn't in the modern age? You know, you can say, oh, they're just relearning all the problems, the things that they that we learned in World War One or I mean, World War Two, right? Well, that's not true because we've got all these, you know, uh, 21st century wrinkles into it. So um, even if the U.S. were in a situation like this, um, there would be new things that we would have to uh, adapt to. And I think that's the interesting thing for me that I'm seeing coming out of uh, Ukraine. Um, so, uh, so yes, it's interesting in in its pieces, but it's not like interesting to me as a story. But uh, kind of a little bit of an aside there. Um, all right, yo, why don't you tell us about what you're writing about this week? Well, I uh, I just wrote another article uh, before the weekend, uh, more and more about knowing ways in and out and how to resist this growing tyranny um, because things are getting pretty wild. They're using emergencies to grant themselves wide powers that aren't enumerated anywhere in our system of government. And so you need to get pretty serious about studying your area and figuring out how to get in and out of where you're at. Um, it's getting worse and worse with the Maui situation and the actions, just like we saw with North Carolina and the Moore County power outage, the government actions seem to be far overreaching for what the claimed problem is. Um, for those who don't remember, in Moore County, they imposed a curfew on the whole county on day one. There hadn't even been any added crime or any problems, and it seemed like an odd response. Same thing here in Maui. This curfew and movement restrictions and gasoline restrictions are on everyone on the whole island, not just in the affected area. And it's pretty, pretty weird. Uh, and uh, as we're watching Reaper illustrate the riots that are getting worse there, I'll remind you all that riots will be coming back in the next 12 months because we have an election coming. So um, you have to develop those plans. So um, I think that this week we'll talk a little more about building community and finding like-minded folks and, and how to get out and actually spend time with them, build relationships and become a known quantity to each other so that you can rely on each other. Boy, you uh, talk about that a lot. It's almost as if it's extremely important or something. Right, right. And you know what? I wish I had edited it so we could show it on here, but I did a video of the folks getting together this weekend at the uh, Preparedness Festival. And um, they, these things are going on all over the country. And the thing is, though, they're not advertised well because it's just people trying to get together and meet each other. So you have to go in and look for them. But once you find them, you will find just a, a, a well of like-minded folks who are looking for friends, looking for a community to belong to. And you, you need to get out there and do it. So maybe we'll write about how to do that, how to find these events, and then how to find the people. And uh, like I said, my next two months are filled up with going to these kind of events and speaking at them and being involved in them. Um, Angry American and the others invited me to another big one in North Carolina because I needed one more thing to do in North Carolina in October. But um, going to be all kinds of cool <laughs> things like that. And you need to be finding these events and getting to them. 
Well yeah, said. I, th those events are so important. Um, it's it's the whole you know getting out, pressing the flesh, meeting people, you know, building those personal networks, personal relationships. Um, you know, I I feel like we do a pretty damn good job in the CFC of making, uh, you know, Joe. Like when I first met you. I was comfortable enough around you and I knew, think you knew me well enough to where the first thing I did was I led with a joke from angry Americans, you know, yeah. uh, you know, about the Marine thing. You know, I, I literally had been listening to his uh, book on tape when I, uh, when I, right before I saw you and that was one of the lines. And then I was like, I'm going to throw that line at Joe. I know he'll appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think my dad was kind of like, Oh, he did. You know, he just met him and he's like, he's insulting him or something. I was like, no, it's, you know, but that being said, there's something different when you meet somebody in person. Right. And you make yes. that connection, you look people in the eyes. Um, you know, it's you know, Internet friends is all well and good. But the meeting people in reality is 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 way more important. So. I completely agree and I wish I could have been there, but uh Speaking of, just as a palate cleanser, gents, I just wanted to share this. Apparently, this is a uh, nearly true story about uh, the, the rains happening out there in California, which, by the way, viewers in California, hope you're safe. I know that I've been reached out to by several people who said that either they or family members have had to evacuate. So uh, hope you're all doing well out there. But uh, apparently, the Marine Corps and its infinite wisdom uh, at Camp Pendleton decided <laughs> this would be the perfect time to send all infantry marines to the field the first part didn't happen they didn't cancel libo but uh everything else they are uh understanding the true meaning of the phrase if it ain't raining we ain't training what's well, sad is know, it's it actually true <laughs> no it is actually true I, I tracked it down yeah uh all of six marines two seven three seven a bunch oh. of other dudes all out in the field right now uh, I want to make sure I get this one. Uh, Grizzly Blue for $5 says, the more that comes out about Ukraine, the more I believe Zelensky is delusional and hates Russia more than he loves Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, I've said that from the beginning. And Joe, I think, you know, it was we made it pretty clear on this channel that we weren't on the Ukrainian side. We weren't on the Russian side. We were on the side of the regular people in the, in the middle that are going to get caught between uh, two two guys with a, a vision for their countries, right? Uh, those mm -hmm. just visions just happen to be very different, and they're and they're both willing to kill bucket loads of people uh, in order to to make their vision a reality. Um, I don't know that if uh, people were willing to die uh, the way Zelensky wanted them to in Ukraine. That'll be something else we're talking about here oh, uh, yeah. in segment two. So uh, thanks yeah. for the super chat, Grizzly. Appreciate your support. Hey, real quick on the topic of support, because I'm thinking, you know, I'm trying to think of different things to do. Um, one of the issues with our videos a lot of times is that like, so for instance, the, last week we, we, had, we did a video in literally four days, five days after it came out, it got struck. And so uh, I don't know if that's somebody, you know, trying met, just messing with us uh, and that's how I got struck or what. But one of the things that we did in the past was we put a lot of our videos as a uh, member only. Um, and so uh, what we're thinking about doing is going back to the, you know, making the live streams member only after 24 hours. Um, so I've got a poll 
if you're not a member, so like for if you're already a member, of course, you're willing to become a member. But if you're not a member, would you be willing to pay uh, for like a, a minimum membership, like a two dollar a month membership just to get access to the member only uh, replays, the video and demands on YouTube? So if you would just engage with that poll, give us an idea of something, because that's just an idea. I think um, Yellow Flash, and I think Andrew both do something similar to that. Well, I mean, um, that that way we know they're at least paying $2 to strike us, you know? That's exactly right. If somebody strikes us, they will have paid $2 to do so if, uh, unless they catch it in the first 24 hours. So, um, I mean, we get most of our views in the first 24 hours. So that would, you know, most of you guys would be able to get your free shot at it. But then if you wanted to go back um that would be something that you know also as long as we're doing this announcement thing um as of friday we've now begun re-uploading uh the audio only to various different podcasting outlets i, I think it goes to like six or seven different places so look for uh the council on future conflicts on the podcasting app of your choice and if you're there now please remember to uh give us a review it really does make a big difference on those podcasting apps yeah, and, the, and one of the other reasons we're talking about doing this is that, um, you know, we want to grow the channel. And uh, one of the ways we think that we're going to be able to uh, look at that Mexican Ironman throwing his uh, member chat us. Thank you, brother. Uh, you know, another another good friend of the channel there. Uh, FYI, lots of channels take live shows down and go members only after the live show. So this is pretty normal and smart, uh, not targeted. Yeah, so show shows not targeted. That's exactly right. Um, I, uh, it, it's just something that I, I'm not trying to make, I'm not going to make any money off of $2 yeah. memberships, but, uh, but it's just, it's just something that kind of, you know, protects the channel a little more. Well, let's be honest. Nafo is pretty famously cheap. So I think that $2 is a pretty good barrier for most of our enemies. <laughs> I, you're probably right. Um, but the other th the other thing that we want to do is we want to start doing clips. So uh, we, uh, you know, Mexican Ironman, I don't know if you know anybody who does clips. We're looking for somebody to help us uh, do clips and whatnot. So uh, that's, uh, you know, one of the things that we would like to do uh, going forward. So yep. um, and we, we said people to contact me. Uh, I, I've several of you have already done so. Excellent. Um, if you're not if I'm not already following you, because I know that I have to be following you now for you to be able to send me a DM, uh, just send me like publicly send a message and tag me in it and say, hey, I'm, I'm willing to do some work on the CFC and then I will follow you and then we can chat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So, um, oh, is it time to get into this Hawaiian craziness, Scott? A absolutely. Absolutely. Let's, let's do it. Uh, well, we start off with, uh, with this tweet by Charlie Kirk, which says the governor of Hawaii, Josh Green, just confirmed over a thousand residents remain missing. How is this not the number one news story in the country? Maybe because it's now clear that the storyline is incompetence and radical left-wing ideology, not climate change. So it's funny how, uh, you know, and then I guess there's subsequent uh, information that, that most of these people are, in fact, children. That are a, 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 a large percentage from what we've been able to tell. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know... Well, Brick Suit, the first comment after it says they can't have this story be true until after Joe's visit. Now, I'm just going to put some put my foot down here. Hawaii is Oconus, so it's not a domestic story. 
All right. I like I like that. I, you know, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, but um, the, the point here is, is that, you know, clearly there are some optics and, you know, I mean, we all knew, they knew these people were missing, you know, 72 hours ago. Um, so I, this is the fact that they do kind of wait for POTUS to kind of clear out, uh, you know, you know, I don't know. And it, well, look, look, you know, I, I've had this said a couple of, just, I've heard this said a couple of times where the, the media to this day gives George Bush hell for flying over Katrina. Right. And, and what we got instead was a two and a half week long beach vacation punctuated by various different no comments. Well, and then he, and then he says here, uh, uh, this is the uh, Kanakoa, the great, the, the, per the person who originally shared the video. Uh, Hawaii Governor Josh Green reports that more than a thousand uh, Maui residents remain unaccounted for, with many of the missing tragically being children. And this is a quote from the uh, from the governor. Do I wish the sirens went Nothing. off? Of course I do. And I think that the answer uh, that the emergency administrator, Mali, who resigned was, of course, unsatisfactory to the world. But if if it is the case that we have historically not used those kind of warnings for fires. But, OK, does that mean that they don't normally have fires or does that mean like. I, if I only the city was completely surrounded by the ocean, which is outstanding for firefighting purposes. Weird. Hey, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Um, all right. So I, I that's kind of where we're kicking off here because there's all kinds of when you start to dig dig a little deeper into things, there's all kinds of of things that are wrong with this story. Um, yeah, no, so this gonna... this story has has felt very much like turning over a log, right? <laughs> things <laughs> yeah. lots yeah. of uh, lots of nasty critters have gone scattering in all directions. So uh, moving on to this zero hedge story um, and this kind of, you know, this is one of the reasons why they're trying, you know, the way, you know, when you turn the flashlight on and you roll the ro log over, one of the things you can do to stop seeing all the, creepy, the creepy crawlies that come out is just to turn the flashlight off. And that's kind of what they're trying to do here with these media blackouts. I think Hawaii state government attempts information blackout on Maui fire refuses media access. The West Maui disaster has become less about the fire and more about the government's bizarre response to the aftermath. Independent media sources and some mainstream media sources have confirmed multiple instances of the Democratic-controlled government's mismanagement uh, that led to the escalation of the tragedy. Um, the circus included a woke water management bureaucracy who believed that water is godlike. That's right, the whole water as being a sacred part of uh, of Hawaiian culture, um, and that it must be distributed according to the rules of equity. Uh, the same official withheld vital firefighting re uh, resources for a day while Maui burned. Uh, the state government, I hope that guy goes to prison. If well, that's, if I, I want to talk true. about that. He was, when he was talking about the water, he was yeah. talking about fresh water, and because fresh water is a problem on an island nation, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because you're surrounded by salt water. I'm sorry, but on islands like that, you don't use fresh water to fight fires because you need it for drinking. You can use seawater to fight fires, and in fact, it's quite good for fighting fires. Correct. It's, the whole thing um, makes no sense. 
Yeah. Uh, you, all the all those fires that were fought on every ship out in the Pacific. Where do you think that got that water from? Yeah. During World War Two, uh, this. The state government has been thoroughly embarrassed, but instead of responding with humility, they've doubled down and gone on the attack. Governor of Hawaii, Josh Green, took a wild swing at independent reporting, telling people not to listen to information from social media and influencers. It's hard to say what his definition of an influencer is, only that he is clearly hostile to anyone reporting news outside the government. Uh, Green's disapproval of media reporting is not limited to alternative journalists, however. It appears there... Uh, is now an information blackout being instituted by the state. Corporate journalists are also being denied access to the, to the area of fire damage path, uh, of the fire damage path, as, as well as access to any details surrounding the investigation into how the fires may have started. So essentially, they want to prevent, uh, you know, what we had in Ohio, right, with the train derailment. Well, this is this is the natural outgrowth of the misinformation and disinformation narrative. Right. Listen, the government is the only source of truth. That's a very dangerous place to be. Hey, uh, watcher, play this uh, Patriot Voice uh, TikTok. Reporting through social media is idiotic. Uh, I'm sorry, it's it's a tweet, but it's it's you know, originally a TikTok video. It's that one, yeah. Doing reporting through social media is idiotic. Don't use social media. Reporting through social media is idiotic. Don't use social media. Do not rely on people who fancy themselves as influencers. The word influencer right off the bat suggests that they want to influence you. Get off your phone. Get off your tablet. Talking about ways for the state to acquire that land. Right now, Pete, I can tell you that to my knowledge, we here at Fox are the only national media in West Maui. West Maui is isolated physically and in terms of information from the rest of the world. Cell service is rough. And the only reason we got here is that, as you know, my family's been here for something like 40 years and we have property here to mm -hmm. get through the security checkpoints. In fact, Pete, the mayor of Maui yesterday tried to kick us out of West Maui, saying it's a media-free zone. It's not. There is a First Amendment. There's the United States Constitution, and this is America. So after everything that happened, this is what they care about. This is what they hold press conferences about. Don't listen to influencers. Don't use social media. Put away your phone. This is a media-free zone. There's no First Amendment. We are the elite people. Listen to us. We will give you the information you need, and everyone else, shut the fuck up. Is this normal? Does this seem normal to you guys in a free country? Why are they so concerned about this? Why do you guys think they are so concerned about this? Please tell me in the comments. And for the people who aren't even here, who are telling me that the locals don't want me here, this is genuinely where I live. Admittedly, I haven't lived here for generations, but the people who have lived here for generations are people I've spoken to. You really think that the majority of these people don't want to get to the bottom of what happened here, what actually happened here. I mean, the, 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 the government is, is, is saying that they don't want anybody to document what's going on, that they don't want anybody to get, to get information from anybody, but them, that they want to acquire this land for the state. This is not a fucking conspiracy theory. This is their own words.
And you don't think that the indigenous <laughs> local people that have been All here right, for a long good. time don't want it. You, you don't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously, you, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm all about, hey, guys, it wasn't directed energy weapons. It wasn't this, that, the other thing. But they're doing everything they can to make this appear as though it actually is some sort of a conspiracy. So you have to wonder what really happened there. There's no such yeah. thing as a, as a no media zone. There's no such thing as a First Amendment zone that they try to put up at the Bundy Ranch. These things don't exist. Now, now Joe, can, can local authorities... Can they can they declare like curfews and things like that for areas because of say a disaster or whatever? They would have to have a justification for it. They do it all the time. That doesn't mean it's legal. For yeah, example, well, right, the right, NFA right. is illegal, but we have it right. Just because someone can doesn't mean they should, um, or that it's legal. Here's the thing: they can say and pass whatever they want. It's whatever we accept is what happens, and that's the point of the Constitution. Uh, I put this out the other day. Uh, I said, uh, listen, you think you have a First Amendment right, but that, that's the way it should be. We can't deal with as it should be. We have to deal like it really is, and that is you don't. And they're just doing everything they can to prove it. Uh, let's see. Of course. Uh, well, actually, and, and you had another comment from yesterday that uh, that we have up as our next thing, if you'd, if you'd like to go off on it. Uh, uh, well, hold on a second here. Ah. Potentially criminal says... Uh, Press would generally be exempt from curfews. Yeah, so I, th I think that's that's kind of what I was looking for right there. Um, all right, go ahead, uh, Watcher, and put that back up. Yeah, we've uh, got... Uh, there you go. Don't play along. Can you see yeah, it, Joe? Or? This, is, this is my yeah, point. Yeah. So what's going on in the video that's playing down below is folks who live on the entire island of Maui, not just West Maui, are being forced to re-register, even though they have driver's licenses. They're being forced to re-register... Uh, where they live in order to be able to leave and come back. If you want to just stay in your house, you don't have to register. But if you want to leave your neighborhood and go to the grocery store and come back, you have to register with the police and the government so that they know who you are and why you want to move around. And that's not America, right? We don't force people to stand in lines for, for movement. Your right to free movement should be one of the first things you protect. So what I'm saying is, is as I point out in my very first book, you need to know ways in and out of your neighborhood that are covered and concealed. Don't play their game. Don't don't go and sign up for it. Do what you want, but you might have to do it a little sneaky. Free men don't ask permission. There are your papers. Your, your yeah. papers are not in order. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy, man. Um, and uh, Michael also says, uh, uh, laws and rules are great, but real, uh, reality on the street uh, will always beat the written what's written on paper. If you notice um, there, I, there's no fire damage where they are, right? Looks good. There's yeah, no floods, no nothing. Why should this area have movement restrictions on it? Hey, hey Pete, what do you think we're missing on this? The Hawaii story? Like, yeah. I, I mean, think? I think it's, I mean, it's, a. um, Honestly, it's a case of you have a state that is run by one party. Um, therefore, there isn't any type of pushback or any type of outside. Uh, like, there's there's no incentive to to learn how to either do your job or how to uh, perform. Um, you know, multi generationally, so, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so there's so there's no like there's no incentive like um, 
so people don't learn how to do their jobs. People you know, get in these positions because of either who they knew or because that they just fill certain boxes. And so when when the excrement hits the fan, it really does demonstrate that you know uh, government run by these bureaucrats that they want to set up nationally is a huge failure. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Right, hitting the nail right on the head. Uh, Lance Corporal Veteran for two dollars says uh, it's leftist religiosity slowly becoming self-aware. Right. Uh, uh, I I, uh, I I I thank you for your two dollars, but I I deplore your uh, your your optimism there. Uh, they will never become self-aware. I was gonna say I, I you know <laughs> anyway um. Yeah, so, I, this so is this one is of the things that I tell people is that COVID taught government one thing. If you say the word emergency or the words emergency and safety, you can get people to do things like this, wait in line for hours for permission to leave their own home. That's ridiculous. And they're never yeah, going to give up that authority peacefully. Yeah, I, it's another one. I haven't seen Tulsi Gabbard really coming out uh, swinging on this. Um, you know, it makes me wonder. Uh, you you know, know, if her if her uh, moderate conservative populism has uh, has has uh, abandoned her for her progressive uh, ideology. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I've had a lot of people ask me like don't the democrats generally take care of their client states like we saw this when uh, when the big nasty storm happened in new york oh no where uh, federal relief dollars came flooding in uh only in two scenarios would that happen one if they felt like the area was contestable and and they could lose it or b uh if that area happens to be one of their crown jewels uh, and Hawaii is not. Hawaii is, A, hard to support even if they wanted to, so it would be very expensive for them to actually reach out and do very much for these people. But, B, it's been in Democrat hands for generations and generations, and there's literally no other options for the people there. There's there's <laughs> there's uh, no real local leadership in place in any kind of uh, um uh, uh, like the, the, there are fights among local leadership, but it's mostly among leftists and other leftists, right? Yeah. Well, and that, it, you know, when these, when these country, when these countries, when these states become so like thoroughly leftist that, you know, like when was the last time you saw a uh, major public figure, you know, state official who's a Republican? Well, never. Right. I mean, I, I can't ever remember anybody from Hawaii. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the last governor of a uh, Republican governor, and he wasn't even a conservative. He was like a, you know, he was a he was maybe a moderate le leftist, uh, you know. But the point is, is these deep blue states, you know, you're just going to you just see these types of things. Um, they're going to happen over and over and over again. And, and it's funny how all these coastal states have uh, these blue governments. And Joe, where do things go wrong for states on regular basis? It's on the in the coasts, right? I mean, that's where yeah. you're, you know, yeah. Outside of tornadoes um, in Middle America, Middle America doesn't have like, you know, typhoons or hurricanes or, you know, uh, well, maybe I guess it could have an earthquake, but most of the earthquakes happen in California and Hawaii and places like that. And, you know, it's just there's just 
I don't know. It's, they're the people who are least likely to be able to handle a disaster are the ones that are well, well handling disasters. Well, actually, speaking of speaking of that, there's a rumor flying, and I'd be very curious to see if it's true or not. Uh, this could again, this could just be another one of those directed energy weapon type rumors. But I'm hearing that the police chief uh, had a very famous former job during a very stressful time. Has anyone else heard this rumor? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Was... So so I get it. He may have just moved, but what are the odds that this could be at two internationally significant events as a command police officer? What are the odds? I mean, it, it, and it and like to do it, just an like absolute failed... terrible job of both of them. Oh, hmm. both of them. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, yeah, apparently, uh, Tulsi was talking to Glenn Beck a few days ago. She's on duty with her National Guard unit, apparently. All right, well, if she's doing that, then that would make sense why she's not in the eye on this one. Um, I know how that is. Ah, and see, prob- what, once again, it was raining, so the National Guard decided it was time for training. Well, she took over a new PSYOPs battalion, so she's busy. <laughs> <laughs> no, she did, literally. <laughs> <sighs> um all right well, there was there was a there, there was a oh yeah, yeah yeah here we go uh josh clark reminds me that no earthquake in the heartland until the new madrid uh, goes off then we're all effed well i'll be honest with you as somebody from kentucky we are very well aware of real foot lake and the effects of what happens when uh, earthquakes make the mississippi run backwards um uh, you guys ever heard about that that during the yeah. uh, the big quake, that's how Real Foot Lake was created. The Mississippi actually ran backwards during during the during the quake. Um, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, but yes, uh, it would get really interesting very quickly in uh, in Missouri, uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, and some of well, those other states. So this isn't in the story, but I think Holly's here and I haven't seen her for a long time. Good to see you, Holly. Uh, and she's talking about the fires up there in BC. Yellowknife has been evacuated and Kilauana is now on fire. Both have been determined to be arson and both uh, are highly conservative areas. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've noticed that. And I've also heard a lot of rumors that uh, we're having very similar turning the water off problems out in BC for people trying to fight the fires where the local governments have turned off water to the hydrants. Interesting. You know, it's uh, it's shocking when you see uh, leftists willing to do things like that in leftist places. Um, Is it? It's almost like they, it's almost like they live there or something, Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's a death cult. So, I mean, you know, they're, they need their blood sacrifice. Uh, did I just say that out loud? Oops. Uh, you did. Anyway, uh, we have anything more we want to hit up on this uh, Hawaii thing because I think this is a this is a pretty sticky wicket, and we could we could go down a rabbit hole on it. But uh, those were the things that kind of jumped out at me. Um, Joe, anything further on this? No, I think that um, it's a great uh, illustration of why you need to be prepared. You need to have routes in and out of your area. You need to have your own supplies and not tell everyone what you what they are. And um, it, it's sad, but you can't trust the government to come and help you or even act in your best interest uh, in these kinds of situations. Yeah, that's sad but true, right? Um, 
All right. Watch your thoughts, Pete, anything? I've been trying to look for this article that I read a while back. Um, it's not necessarily on uh, disaster response, but is on the ability for America to build big projects. And the reason I bring this up is it compares uh, California and Texas um, in their uh, regulatory environment that California, because it's very regulatory, very bureaucratic, that it cannot build large, it cannot function anymore in building uh, large uh, mega projects. While Texas, you know, uh, Musk is moving there, you have all these companies moving there because the regulatory environment is just different. And I think that's uh, kind of what's going on with Hawaii is that you have you know, all these regulations, all these uh, checklists that have to be done in order, in a specific order, in a specific time, and that they cannot think outside that box. And so that's leading to the issues that you're seeing there in, uh, in Hawaii. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, Watcher, I'll give you the last word on the Hawaii deal. Um. Watch this space. I have a feeling this isn't the last time we're going to be talking about it. Um, but I, I, it's something that we've been hammering home for a while now. Um, and particular, I, I think you need to address and assess the situation that you're in and think to yourself, say, if I live on an island in the middle of nowhere where supplies all have to be boated in from thousands of miles away, that maybe for the previous year I might have been making plans for what happens if a fire starts on our very small island i don't know just uh just an idea just a thought yeah or at least get my gas tank full there you go or uh i don't know i mean personally i guess the, the guys that are probably doing the best out of this are people in that community who had boats that they could have just ran to and then live on for now um but it's almost anyhow. like transportation equals freedom in some of these yeah uh, it's weird huh huh Crazy talk. Um, I, 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 I just want to say, and I, I, I admonish myself for forgetting, but we did have a new member join uh, as, as a monthly member over on Rumble. Uh, thank oh. you, UCO Steve, for your support. We really appreciate you. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, yeah, any place you guys want to join up, we're uh, you get credit for it. So when we start doing the member on, the members only stuff, like uh, probably those um, the movie watch parties will be members only. Uh, and if we do the little uh, cheapy members, uh, you know, we'll probably uh, we'll we'll see about that. I don't know if if you if you get the uh, the replay club uh, membership, if that would be. Uh, open for the uh the events like that we'll see i don't know I, i'm not the i want to make sure that if you if you pay in five bucks a month you get something more for your money uh all right um let's see let's go uh let's switch topic here you, have, you know back to ukraine i you know i said it earlier in the show and i'll say it again you know the ukraine in of itself is not super interesting to me um, because I, it's so hard for me to look at these guys fight and see anything other than the, the, the stupid politics that are behind the whole thing. Um, but um, I think there's a lot of really interesting little stories and little things that are coming out of this. And so uh, what's been very interesting to me, guys, uh, you know, in the last what? I mean, we've been oh. seeing this build for about the last two weeks, really. Um, well, but in the last, what, 72 hours, I've seen 72 several, hours. It, yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen uh, several posts and intra, in, 
instances and stories about that are basically saying, listen, this 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 offensive has failed. Well, um, why, why don't we talk about the gentleman who's on screen here, whose tweet you pulled for us? Uh, anyone want to fill the chat in who may not be aware who Elbridge or Elbridge Colby is? Eldridge Colby. Napo number one. <laughs> Napo Prime. That's his name. Uh, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. But uh, former former Pentagon, right? Uh, currently heavily involved in the uh, military industrial complex. We can just leave it at that, I suppose. Uh, if yeah. this guy's saying it, you can be sure that it's now publicly acceptable to say among those circles yes yes i think that's uh that's safe to say um it's uh it's always interesting when you see the big cheerleaders come out and say well remember that thing that we were cheering about it's not working out um i mean you know let's see real, just real quick i'm going to look back in his history and you know just to kind of see the kind of um, stuff that he's uh, he's posted in recent months. Um, of course, he was talking about blockading China. That's interesting. Uh, let's see. Talking about the future is looking bright for Europe. I don't know about that. Uh so I mean, this guy is not one of the. Um, he is not. He is not what you'd call a critic of the war, uh, of the <laughs> war in Ukraine. Uh, but when he starts posting stories like this Washington uh, Post story, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like game over territory. Uh, uh, you know, you know, if 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 you if you would, um, we you know, just reading the headline here. Uh, I mean, as our, as Ukraine fires through artillery rounds, U.S. races to keep up. So basically, this story is not uh, giving the U.S. a pass, right? This, this is a Washington Post story that is, um, that's, you know, Washington Post, that's Zuckerberg's paper. Um, let me uh, read a little bit of the story and, uh, and, and we can dig a little deeper into it. Uh, the Biden administration's uh, sprint to supply Ukraine with weapons central to its uh, military success against Russia has yielded a promising acceleration of arms production, including the standard NATO artillery round, output uh, of which is soon expected to reach double its pre-war U.S. rate of 14000 a month. Uh, the stakes in the U.S. effort to shake up the uh, sclerotic uh, defense acquisition system are uh, particularly high as Kiev uh, tries to claw back the territory from Russia control in a slow-moving counteroffensive whose fate U.S. official now says hinges on the West's ability to satisfy Ukraine's astonishing hunger for artillery ammunition. You hear that, guys? It's not on how good the... Uh, now they're, this story is blaming the West which I find to be interesting. Joe, Pete, thoughts on that before I continue? No, I, I think that uh, they have no choice but to come to this realization, right? 
and it, yeah, uh, when, they, when when you can see from the satellites that when you're getting videos of of the failure in in full color, I mean, it's hard to deny. Yeah, I mean, there's there's it, they've been denying it, denying it for as long as they can, but at this point, they have to suddenly course correct and uh, and and admit the faults, but then they're going to blame it on something unrelated that they were uh, confused by or something. I don't even know. I mean, just from, from my thought, so as a you know, very low, I mean, just in the satellite army national guard, like I could have told you that the that NATO, uh, aka the U.S. military, you know, did not have the uh, capacity to uh, uh, did not have the current storage capacity of any type of munitions, nor did they have the industrial capacity to create munitions uh, to sustain a low uh, a large scale combat operation in Ukraine, and that it will be a serious issue. Uh, down the road, uh, and of course, I was called the Putin stooge, and you know, I was in, in the pocket of Russia and, and all that kind of stuff. But it is evident that we do not have the industrial capacity to support large-scale uh, combat operations. Um, so, to even then, to go and think that we can uh, compete against China over Taiwan is just absolutely laughable at the moment. Um, and uh, it is concerning that no one at the at the Pentagon within the DoD. Um, just, they do not, they lack the imagination or the historical knowledge to go back and look at every after action review from every major war that U.S. military has been in that has stated, oh, we underestimated our munitions needs and our, our munitions uh, uh, rate of fire. And so for them to magically think, to magically come to that conclusion now, it does not bode well for our ability to compete. Uh, on this, on uh, uh, in, within the Great Powers game that is coming up, and uh, that's that is defining this this decade. Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. It's basically shown us, you know, to be falling short. This is another story from the Washington Post. So this just kind of doubles down on, you know, identifying the fact that the uh, the objectives of the uh, of the offensive won't uh, be met. U.S. intelligence says Ukraine will fail to meet objectives' key goal. Um, thwarted by minefields, Ukrainian forces won't reach the southeastern city of Melitopol, uh, a vital Russian transit hub, according to U.S. intelligence assessment. Well, that's pretty bleak. Uh, you know, U.S. intelligence community assessed that Ukraine's counteroffensive will fail to reach the key southern city of Melitopol. Uh, people familiar with this classified forecast told the Washington Post uh, a finding that should it should it prove correct, which is correct, they're not going to be, uh, will mean Kiev uh, won't fulfill its principal objective of severing the Russia's land bridge to Crimea in this year's push. That's right. They won't. It's and I don't know that it's grim. It's just that's realist. I mean, and, but Joe, it's almost like I know a group of guys who said that this wouldn't work out in the first place. And I can't think of their names, but they're good looking and very smart gentlemen. That's so, right. That's look, right. And I think they have a YouTube channel. Uh, look, you know, look, so if you as want to subscribe. As much as I love patting us on the back, and we did, you know, great. We, we say this when no one else really does. But, gents, they had to have known this. They, they had to have known that this was the likely outcome from the beginning. There's no way that there are people blowing enough smoke up their ass that nobody at the Pentagon realized this. With Without saying anything more, I don't know that that's the case. Okay. I just okay. 
Uh, how it's do you also, look at it? How do you look at a map that includes the largest minefield? Did you know that Ukraine is now the number one mined country on Earth and has been for the last four months? And it's only increased since then. If you go a little further down in this um, in this story, watcher, you come to a map that just illustrates how 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 like what percentage do you think they got towards Melitopol when you look at this? The yellow <laughs> being the areas that they've uh, attained. And the, uh, what is that, a mauve color uh, is the areas that Russia still retains. So but remember, guys, too, Thunder though, Runs, boys. 3%. Melitopol is the one place where they have an actual successful insurgency going on uh, in the rear area, and they can't even get to them. So. Yeah, well, but, we but, don't even but remember. We, we don't even know how successful it is. It's reports that it's it's doing well, but we don't know that for sure. Remember, boys, thunder runs, right? We're gonna do the thunder runs, and that's what's gonna make the difference. Remember? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll point out, as I always have, the runs usually happen more on accident than they do on purpose. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so this is just you know. Kind of par for the course. I'm going to go back to this old, this uh, first article. Um, but industry experts warn the major challenge is sustaining an elevated output of arms equipment. Because here's, you know, Joe, this, this kind of goes to that point I was telling you. Like, I'm not super interested in Ukraine, but it's the little things that are coming out that are shaking out that I'm very interested in, such as the logistics, uh, you know, yeah, I've spent a lot one of, of those time. ten dollar uh, super chats before we get into that next point. I must not have seen those. Uh, no, That's why I, I said it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. You said uh, ten Jason, bucks. You'll interrupt. I got. I got to interrupt right. you. That's right. I did. I didn't. I didn't see. I didn't see them at all. Jace up for ten. Uh, the left and NAFO's giving up on Ukraine worries me. That what schemes do they have in place to save face? China pandemic two. Well, pandemic. They're well two on the way to pandemic two. Well on the way. They're talking about a new COVID, new round of COVID vaccines. And, so um, last night, Alex Jones reported that a TSA whistleblower had told him that masks are coming back for travelers in October and full lockdowns by December. I wish I could discount it as Alex Jones, right? Right out of oh. the gate. But I, <laughs> but I can't. Well, not, so, not only that, but but uh, it it would with his track record, it would seem foolish to uh, to do so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, before I get to this next uh, super chat, I just want to help uh, Dyadic out because she's doing the Lord's work there in the chat, both on uh, YouTube and on Rumble. Um, 46 out of 107, actually 120 people watching now have uh, hit the like button. Uh, 48 of 120 on Rumble. So if you're if you're watching, if you're one of those 120 people on on Rumble watching, uh, please hit the like button. That, that I love it. 120 and then it goes streaming down to 110. Uh, asking for the like button must really offend people. Uh, and then over here on YouTube, let me switch over. Um, we're looking at 131 watching uh with 97 uh smashes of the like button so a uh, little better ratio um if we could get that sucker over 100 that'd be amazing um all right so let's um let's look into this next super chat yeah well our corgi for 9.99 says uh 
have we reached the Cronkite Tet offense of the war is unwinnable moment? Yeah, um, a long time ago. Well, I'm I mean, here to, I've in in reality, yes, but I think that they that they've worked the their side up so much that they have to ease them into it in increments. That's true. Yeah, I think though that the biggest um, travesty that's happened in the last few minutes is that we ignored Fetter Lumpkin's outstanding commentary about Admiral Levine. <laughs> Insurgency in the rear area is Admiral Levine's specialty. I mean, I mean, I thought that wow. was uh, I thought that was uh, <laughs> you know the standby crew's uh, specialty. <laughs> mm. <sighs> Oh boy. Anywho. All right. <laughs> uh let's uh let's move on. Anyway, I was I was yeah, let me finish because there were like I was saying, the the things I find interesting are these are these kind of trends here, like the logistics trend, right? Um industry exports warned that major challenges in sustaining an elevated output of arms equipment uh need needed not just for to aid ukraine but for to ensure the us's own security and potential conflicts so joe i think that what we've decided is that not only do we need to you know trouble our output on some of these ammunition types but we need to probably you know double or quadruple our storage you know our ammo storage uh because we're seeing some amazing rates of fire um, that if we were to try to go up against North Korea or China, we wouldn't be able to sustain these rates of fire beyond a month or two. Um, and that means you wouldn't be able to sustain operations because, you know, fire uh, is that whole fire maneuver, right? You know, it's like you can't, yeah. do, you know. Well, in true American fashion, we always train for the next war by training for the last war, Right. And we had these outrageous ideas of what ammo expenditures would look like because we've spent the last 25 years or so fighting goat herders with no organic assets, right? Uh, and and in, a, in a largely permissive environment, as hard as the Afghanis and Iraqis fought, we never really met real resistance except maybe Nasiriyah um, and, and a couple of other places. But they didn't even defend Baghdad. So it led us to believing we could even help another country fight a war with far less ammo expenditures than what it was really going to take. And um, we're just learning that when you fight somebody who's as good as you, it's going to take a whole lot more. Yeah. 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 It's um, yeah, it's, it's the hardest thing that you can do, right. You know, high yeah. intensity war. Is, is is literally one of the hardest things uh it, you know it's kind of like if you could do high intensity warfare you probably can do all the other tasks just fine <laughs> you know because that's the hard thing um well, this is in, this, I thought this was interesting here with what uh, Miss Cynthia Cook has to say. Whether you think it's going well or going poorly is whether you're a glass half full person or a glass half empty. Oh, it's you know it's a glass. That's a half full way of looking at it. Um, she's a defense expert, industry expert for the Center Center for Strategic and International Studies. Uh, said of the attempt to ramp up arms manufacturing swiftly, but also it's how much you work in a defense acquisition. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people making some, some shekels, uh, off of this whole, uh, thing in the end. 
Um, so anyway, I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole, but I just thought that that was just an interesting thing to kind of bring uh, to light for our uh, our viewers here, because that's the kind of thing that, you know, you know, amateurs talked, you know, uh, tactics, you know, ex, you know, experts talk, uh, professionals talk logistics, you know, it's, um, you know, you, it's not, it's not sexy. Logistics is not sexy, but it's important. Um, well, among the, the West leftists, Slava Ukraini sounds a lot like Allahu Akbar and is said with the same religious fervor. So anyway, uh, we're going to continue. Yeah. So this is uh, 1945.com. There's another story here. I uh, just wanted to kind of give you guys a different take on uh, the same story. Uh, hard reality, Ukraine's last grasp, gasp offensive has failed. Uh, the cold hard truth in the war between Ukraine uh, today is that Ukraine's last gasp offensive has failed and no amount of spend will change the outcome. Uh, as so uh, the co basically, uh, as part one of this series, he says, uh, examining the past performance and current capacity of UAF, U Ukrainian uh, Armed Forces, uh, detailed Kiev's troops in 2022 achieved some exceptional and major battle to successes. Hope was uh, high uh, heading into 2023 that these wins would pave the way ultimate victory in the war. I'll be honest with you, Joe, I assess the victories in the first year of the war more to Russia's incompetence uh, and the, and the, just the, you know, the, the cancerous corruption within their ranks and their leadership uh, than I do any kind of brilliance of the Ukrainians. I mean, there's that, but there's also the, 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 the basic um, favoring of the defender on a battlefield. Well, sure, right, and and the the offense needed to have have their A game, and they weren't ready. You know, the Russians weren't well, ready. I can. I think the Russians felt a victim to the same thing we did. They trained for the last war, right? They went into the Chechen war the first time and lost. Came in the second time and won. But again, they were fighting people who had no organic defensive capabilities, no armor, no artillery, and no air. And so they rolled into Ukraine thinking they were going to meet that too and didn't and they've since learned that lesson i just think it's a matter of russia has adapted quicker than ukraine so yeah i i don't know i don't know if if it's as much the uh uh you know the you know, training for the last war as it is just the whole you know, like it's kind of like even if they trained for the correct war, if the if the corruption that we saw was really true, then then I don't think they would be able to do anything. But that's just one of those kind of things we you know we can kind of uh, we can pick that apart at a different time. But that's kind of that's just my you know my take. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm distracted by this breaking video of this truck and this police car smashing through a crowd uh, in Atlanta. Jesus. Um, all right. Let me get back to this article. Um, as early as January of 2023, Western media sources began talking about a Ukrainian spring offensive. At that time, the Russians had been badly mauled during the battles of Ukraine's Kharkiv and Kherson. 
Moscow was four months into its purposeful mobilization of 300,000 troops, but it stumbled badly at the outset pr uh, processing the new conscripts. Uh, and confirmed reports claimed that up to 700,000 young Russian men fled the country to avoid having to fight. Ukrainian two morale on that. There's two false statements in that. Uh, one's a partial statement. Stumbled badly at the outset, but they still got the 300,000. Uh, they don't tell you that. And the unconfirmed reports of up to 700,000, that's just that, unconfirmed. We don't know that. Yeah. And um, But... And we're not seeing that, but we are seeing Ukrainian men getting caught trying to cross the border into Moldova. So that's yeah, an interesting they, dichotomy. And yeah. So. Of note, they do link to the Reuters story that says Kremlin's rejects reports that 700,000 have fled Russia. And then the, uh, uh. and then they, so I, I don't know if that is them justifying these uh, conclusions um or if that's them basically reporting what was reported um which is valid uh as long as you give both sides uh while the quality of the early russian conscripts was clearly lacking as early as november the kremlin plugged most more than tens of thousands uh of them into gaps uh gaping holes created by ukrainians autumn offensive uh, which helped stem the, stem the tide. Uh, by January, Putin increased the offensive operations throughout the 1,000-kilometer front line to keep pressure on the UAF with an emphasis on the twin cities of Solodar and Bakhmut, which is uh, where we saw you know, PMC Wagner really kind of come into their own. Um, Putin gave that fight to PMC Wagner, and, and it was here that Ukraine made its first major mistake of 2023. Um, Boy, didn't I tell him it was a mistake? Nobody listens to me. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we were all saying that. You know, it's kind of like I, well, I thought it was, it was pretty obvious. It was a mistake in Mariupol. It was every bit as much a mistake in Bakhmut. Fighting over useless yeah, I, territory is is bad. Yeah. I mean, actually, I think you could make a better argument that Mariupol would, you know, you fight for that versus uh Bakhmut because I because Bakhmut I everybody even acknowledged was already surrounded and there was no hope of relief. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I no, no, no. I I agree. I don't know that. I I had basically said that you know once they were surrounded, I think they should have just give gave up the ghost, right? There's no sense in in you know. I I think Alamo stands in the modern day are are pretty uh pretty useless, especially in a conventional fight. Um, yeah. But that being said, uh, if you if you were able to make a good uh, go of it, I think, um, you know, Mariupol could have been a good defensive point. But the entire line collapsed around it. So and they were surrounded. Uh, Ukraine had held the town. Uh, but early March, Wagner reached the eastern outskirt of the city. Um, the military necessity for Ukraine at the time was to withdraw from Bakhmut. Uh, to the next defended line to the west. Correct. They should have given up the city and, and moved to the west. Um, from this new position, Ukraine's ability to defend would have been stronger. Russia's task to attack a new Ukrainian line is more difficult because the Ukraine side uh, would have had the high ground and open fields of fire through which Russia would have to advance. Correct, correct, correct. Making any assault extremely difficult and costly in terms of men and equipment. Um, but by staying in Bakhmut, the task uh, for the Russians was much easier. I don't know about easier, 
but it just it it was much more even i would say is probably a better way of putting it um now russia could move within literal meters of ukrainian positions within bakhmut without being seen the bakhmut defenders were at a disadvantage from that point forward um my my computer is acting up so bear with me guys um I literally can't. I have two big black windows where my uh, my browser. There we go. It's back. Uh, but those successes uh, successes bred uh, hubris. Um, uh, let's. I'm sorry. I I, I skipped a paragraph there. Uh, not only was it painfully obvious to middle, military uh, planners, uh, made clear there was little rational hope for stopping Wagner's drive to capture Bakhmut, but many of those brigades Zelensky sent in feudal aid to help Bakhmut were also urgently needed in the upcoming spring and summer offensive. So it's almost like a double whammy, right, Joe? It's like not only did they defend something they didn't need to defend, they then threw in reinforcements that were needed for the later offensive. Um, so it's kind of like a twofer, you know, they, they, step, they, <laughs> they stepped in shit with one foot and then went ahead and threw the other foot right in the same pile. Well, that's kind of how they've operated the whole time. Um, anyway, Pete, what do you think of the defensive Bakhmut? You think it was well thought out or silly? I mean, it's, it was, uh, I don't know, like it, uh, so that kind of uh, resolved or that was kind of like ending about the time like I, I had my surgery and everything. So uh, I can't necessarily recall like what happened hundred percent, but you know, from a strategic sense, it does seem like a very, uh, uh, very much of a waste of resources to pour so much into a cauldron. Um, yeah. Knowing that you, uh, your country as Ukraine cannot uh, replace those uh, resources and that your backers, NATO, are very slow in order to doing so. And that, you know, ultimately, you're going to run out of bodies, right? So, yes, we can send as many tanks and F-16s and, and all that. But if there's no one there to man them or to pilot them, who is going to do that, right? And so wasting that much life in uh, that move was probably poorly thought out uh, and only uh, probably speeding up uh, direct intervention, you know, quote unquote, uh, by other nations uh, outside of Ukraine. Yeah. And well, and, you know, and these and with Bakhmut, uh, you know, basically lost to the Russians, uh, the mistakes continued. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, the. Uh, over many months uh, prior to the offensive, many Western publications hailed the advanced training the Ukrainian armed forces were getting from NATO, uh, from a number of NATO countries. Concurrently, a number of Ukrainian uh, brigades were also outfitted with modern NATO, uh, modern, more modern than their previous vehicles, but not what you would call modern by current NATO standards. But still, I get what they're saying. Uh, with NATO combat vehicles such as the Challenger, Leopard tanks, U.S. artillery systems, Bradley fighting vehicles, and strikers. Uh, the combination of NATO technology with NATO training was expected to produce a quality offensive uh, capacity that would penetrate Russian defenses and drive a, a wedge to the Azov coast, splitting the occupied forces in half. 
Uh, Foreign Affairs on the Day of the Offensive started published an analysis titled Ukraine's Hidden Advantage, How European Trainers Have Transformed Kiev's Army and Changed the War. And yet, as have been painfully, painfully observed now, after almost three months of operation, uh, Europe and NATO training did not transform the US, UAF. As I argued months before the offensive began, it was nearly impossible for the Ukraine to transform itself in a matter of weeks uh, or a few months of training. Uh, the hodgepodge of NATO gear. The re- reasons are fundamental, and there are no reflection uh, on it's no reflection on the Ukrainian troops uh, as American soldiers are equally constrained by these fundamentals. In order to produce an effective field force capable of employing combined arms operation to defeat a major power that has been prepared a multi-belt defensive system, you must first have a sizable number of fully manned combat brigades. The battalions and companies of each brigade must be staffed with platoon sergeants, sergeants and company commanders, first sergeants, sergeant majors, and battalion commanders, and operations officers with experience in conducting such operations. Um, It's almost, Joe, it's almost like there needs to be effective leadership at echelon. From that, from that team leader, that E5 team leader uh, down in those infantry, all the way up to the battalion commanders and sergeant majors and, and, and you know, both at the officer and NCO level, you know, going all the way through, right? It's, it's, it's almost like it's a, well, it's almost a system. You can't just, you can't just plug well, and play, right? Absolutely. But but one of the problems we're having in training the Ukrainians is is hubris. Like like we shared that thread where they don't want to yeah. give up their Chinese tablets with with digital mapping on it that reports their location right back to the Russians uh, in favor of learning how to use a paper map and compass. They think that's antiquated and dumb when it's actually the most secure way. Then you know where you are and nobody else does. So um, well, that prevents you know, them from getting to this level. One of the one of the things, if you if you study, you know, U.S. World War II history, one of the things you find out once you get the the, the beaten path is like, you know, Band of Brothers. Right. Or, um, you know, the 82nd Airborne or there there's several other kind of what you would call almost elite units. Right. And we take for granted the excellent leadership throughout these units. What you don't see are the average infantry you know, companies and battalions that probably suffered high rates of casualties when really put under the gun because they just, you know, a lot of these people were not in the military. Even some of the officers at the major level, I mean, you know, Major Winters, right, at the end of the World War II, he was a lieutenant, you know, what, four years before in like, you know, 1941, uh, you know, after the war began. Um, so it's like the rapid promotion and things like this. I mean, you know, only through scale are you able to really uh, field those kinds of, of leaders. And, you know, Ukraine just doesn't have the scale uh, and educational capacity to produce that number of effective field leaders in this short period of time. Um, it, you know, it took it took us, what, four years, uh, you know, three years to get from you know, those those training days in early 1941 to D-Day uh, in 44. Right. So we had three years to train to get those U.S. Uh, units into the fight. Uh, and you had some 
less than desirable results, you know, in in Africa when uh, when less experienced units were thrown into it, especially against, uh, you know, more uh, seasoned German troops. You know, essentially people were, people forget the thing that killed the Germans in North Africa was logistics as much as anything else. Um, you know, so anyway, remember, uh, remember the days of a military that actually fired uh, generals and uh, other officers for not doing their job correctly. <laughs> no, I don't actually. Yeah. Uh, well, Derna here, actually, this is exactly the point I was saying. The reason why 101st and 82nd were elite units is that they weren't kept on the line and ground to pieces. My grandfather's division, the 79th Infantry, had almost 300% casualty rate. Yeah, I mean, you know, these these elite units, even on the German side, right, you know, you, you would have these, you know, like the Waffen-SS were considered to be the elite units on the German side, especially on the Eastern Front. And they were used to like fire brigades, right? They may not be like in the meat grinder for months and months and months on end, but they were in the hottest spots, you know, over and over again. And the, even in the elite units like, uh, like, you know, some of these SS units, they had extremely high casualty rates, uh, and and it was it was essentially the the supply of 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 replacements that that kept them in the fight, not not any kind of mythical unbeatable status. Um, that's one of the things that the that we often forget. Um, the only argument I'll give to that is uh, they formed a core with the British First Airborne. And British yeah. First Airborne would disagree with you because they got chewed to crap in Market Garden. So, oh well, yeah, yeah. Well, that's because they were a bridge too far, right? They, they were the ones at the end of the bridge too far. <laughs> they were the ones at the end of the, uh, you know. And and here's the thing: light force is always going to, you know, the reason why the hundred and first didn't is because hundred first wasn't where the British were. If they, if you had switched places. It would have been the hundred and first that would have got chewed up. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And you know, the hundred and first didn't magically, you know, defeat the Germans all by themselves at the uh, in Bastogne. Um, they were relieved by uh, Patton's what the six was the six army, uh, I think it was. Uh, I think it. I, anyway, I I I forget the units, but it, essentially. Oh, no, 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 it wasn't Patton. It was, uh, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, it, they were, they basically had their bacon pulled out of the fire uh, at the, you know, and it, they, they, they weren't the ones that just like magically uh, uh, defeated the, uh, the, the Germans. And, and so this is exactly the situation that Ukraine is finding themselves in. They're getting ground down. They don't have the scale to continuously replace these very valuably trained people. And the training they do have is just a bridge too far, right? You know, these operations are just too tough. I think if they had gone on the defensive, maybe this training would have been effective and they could have lasted long enough to learn the lessons. Uh, but that's not the case. I, I, You know, Scott, to that, I think a spring 2024 offensive may have been possible. But a spring well, what, 2023 what, offensive was definitely. What are you talking about? I'm sure uh, Joe Biden's going to start talking about that as the uh, as the election comes in. You know this. Uh, well, and and wouldn't that have been a coup for him if he'd have actually had the patience to wait that long? 
Um, real quick, uh, let me continue on with this because I, the more I read this article, the more I think he's making some really, really good points. I just skimmed it the first time through, so uh, I'm actually reading it with a little more detail here. Uh, first Sergeant, Sergeant Major, Battalion Commanders, Operation, blah, blah, blah. These leaders need experience of two to five years at the platoon level, five to seven years at the company, and 15 to 20 years at the battalion and, and brigade levels. Um, right. That's exactly right. Um, that's so that's one of the things that when when people say, oh, well, the Americans couldn't do any better. I don't know if that's true, but the Americans are a completely different. Uh, you know, we have an entirely different skill set um, to bring to to the fight. Uh, and then a, at about 10 times the capacity uh, to uh, to rain uh, scunion down on somebody that we decide that we want to fight, and we and we don't know how to fair, fight a fair fight either uh, when it comes to this type of thing. So, nor should um, we. <laughs> the smart man never fights fair. Uh, once the units are properly filled with educated and trained leaders, the next requirement is to develop proficiency in the individual soldier uh, to do his skill. Tank drivers, Bradley drivers, infantry squad members, then train crews to operate armored fighting uh, platforms, then platoons to fight together, then companies to fight together, then battalions to fight together. This takes like it literally takes a year to get a battalion up to uh, like that battalion RTEP level. Um, and then battalions for the brigade, finally brigades and divisions in the theater army. All of this individual and collective training has to be done to produce a successful co coordinated combined arms operation. Uh, Ukraine has none of these prerequisites. It should be no surprise, there, uh, therefore, that much anticipated defensive ran into a brick wall from the outset. I think this is this is dead on. Um, it is. To the, yeah. to the actual why of of this offensive not uh, working out uh let's see tactical performance in the uh 2023 ukraine summer uh, offensive uh i previously covered in depth blah, blah, blah. i don't want to talk about that the first problem was the ukrainian military political leadership ordering the offensive to begin at all uh, nearly a month. Yes. So, right. We all in, in military operations, we have this whole kind of concept of um, uh, battlefield preparation and um, sub securing the necessary kind of conditions uh, in order to allow effective and successful operations, right? Um, and so, you know, if those conditions aren't met, then you basically say, yeah, we're, we're gonna, we're scrubbing because we're not, you know, it's kind of like if I, if, if I tell you, you know, we need to have uh, five feet of water to do something, but we only have two feet of water, then you scrub it because it's just the condition, the conditions aren't set. Um, and so uh, they should have, they should have waved off. Um, nearly a month after the start of the operation, Ukrainian commanding general argued uh, uh, in Washington Post interview that it, it pissed me off when he hears complaints about the lack of progress. Yet in the same interview, he acknowledged that without being fully supplied for the offensive, these plans are not feasible at all, right? That's, see, that's just it. He knew it wasn't feasible, yet he's telling these guys to do it anyway. Key amongst his complaints were the absence of air superiority. NATO, he said, uh, would never launch an offensive operation without air superiority. Right, and neither should you have. Uh, and he's right, but Zaluzny uh, had even more fundamentals against him. 
Ukraine suffers from a lot chronic lack of air defense capability, uh, cap capacity, inadequate numbers of howitzers, artillery shells, insufficient electronic warfare systems, a dearth of. All right, I I find myself just reading this entire article, guys, but this is. This is a good article, and I would recommend you guys check it out. It's at 19, 1945.com. I, I, I could sit here and read, and sh the shocking thing is you guys have not checked have not checked out. So I appreciate you putting uh, uh, yeah, Command of Third Army in France. That's right. Uh, I appreciate you guys uh, uh, putting up with me. So um, let me look real quick and see if there were any other points about Ukraine that we wanted to bring up today. Um, there, there was this. Oh, Joe's back. There was this one story here that I wanted to cover before we take off. Uh, I decided I wouldn't read the rest of the article, Joe, because it was just it was going too long. I mean, the points are really good in that article. I think because he's actually um, those are it was some good sober analysis. I haven't read a lot of his other stuff, but I'll probably check back in with him uh, in a week or so to see what else he's writing uh, because uh, I think it's. I think it's pretty interesting to see um, reporters actually write something that makes sense on this stuff. Um, I, did you see this, Joe? A TU-22 backfire destroyed in a drone strike? That's getting pretty painful when they uh, start hitting these strategic assets like this uh, with these little piddly drones. Well, what's going to be funny is, is that tomorrow when russia launches airstrikes the length of their country they're going to cry foul but when you go after a strategic <laughs> asset countries tend to get a little fired up um and and i want to point out too though that they say it was a, a quadcopter type drone for the mm -hmm. record then it didn't come from ukraine it couldn't have it came from within russia that's right yeah. these these yeah. are like soft forces operating in the rear area so you know, this is the problem when you fight a civil war, like what they're doing is that you're essentially fighting people that talk like you and look like you. Right. And so it's it's almost impossible to know who the bad guy is. Uh, I'll just read a little bit of this here just to give you guys an overview uh, at Sotsoy Air, Air, uh, Air Base, uh, which is home to Russian Tu-22 M3 backfire swing wing bombers was hit by a drone strike yesterday. Images of black smoking uh, billowing from the base further solidified those reports, but it wasn't clear uh, what was burning. Now photos have emerged to show a Tu-22 M3 engulfed in flames at the base. Uh, these images appeared on uh, tele first appeared on Telegraph and have since made their way onto social media platforms. Russia's MOD said one unspecified aircraft was damaged due to a drone attack, stating, the following on its uh, its own telegram channel at around 10 o'clock moscow time kiev regime carried out a terrorist attack uh using a copter type uav against a military airfield in novograd uh the uav was detected by the airfield's observation posts and was hit by small arms fire as a result of the terrorist attack a fire broke out in the airfield parking lot which was promptly <laughs> i don't know why they keep calling it a terrorist attack but okay I mean, you know, it's, it seems like a, a military target to me. So it's just a <laughs> military yeah. attack. Right? 
maybe maybe that's their indicator that you know spetsnaz type kind of attacks they call maybe terrorists. Well, terrorists I, yeah. well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Uh, it's because Ukraine's been doing the exact same thing, and I think this is just a PR department mirroring the language of another PR department. Yeah, I mean, so the the entire time uh, during the last what eight nine years, uh, the uh, the Ukrainians have called it the ATO, the anti-terrorist operation, you know, uh, yeah. in, in Donetsk and uh, Luhansk. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe it maybe it applies. It also could be a loss in translation. Uh, one airplane was damaged. There were no casualties as a result of this terrorist act. And then, of course, the uh, the pictures of the backfire uh, burning. Um, yeah, these things are pretty expensive. So, and I, you know, these are the kind of assets that Russia just does, can't, you know, <laughs> can't just. I don't know well. why they had one in, in Novgorod, that that close to the border. I don't know why they would have one, one not in a hardened shelter. Honestly, one, screen, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, my wonder is if maybe it diverted there because of a mechanical issue or something like that. And, you know, maybe it was stuck on the ground. Could be. Maybe. I'll tell you um, one of the interesting things about these, if I'm not mistaken, part of the reason they can't make uh, more of them very quickly is that all the avionics used to be produced in Ukraine. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know about that. But the one thing I do know about the TU-22 is that they made them back in the in the old Russian days, and then they actually brought it back again, I think, 15 years later and built a new version with more modernized stuff. Uh -huh. So I wonder if maybe Western components weren't in these, uh, the more modern. I think the M3 is the, no, no, look at if the, the right here, um, four days ago, Joe, if you if scroll down further in the story. A little more, a little more. There's some, yes, go to, there, right here. This is a TU-22 scene at Solzhi uh, uh, 2 base just four days ago on August 16th. Um, so that's not just one. So clearly they're basing them out of there. You can see the, the doors to their hardened shelters behind them. Why they're not in them, I don't know. Um, I would hazard a guess, looking at the condition of the runways, that uh, there's there's just the slightest possibility that those might be inoperable. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I th I we could once again. This is a story on the drive. Uh, it's the war zone, which is a sub site on the drive. Uh, definitely uh, recommend you check that out. Um, it's a pretty interesting. It goes into further detail. To, it talks about um, uh, it talks about you know the history a little bit of the uh, TU twenty two and some other stuff about you know the operations uh, and how they've been using them and what uh, uh, what weapon systems they've been firing from them. So uh, give that a look. Uh, I think you'll find that interesting. We're over two hours, so I know it's, um, uh, I want to let these guys get on with their day and, uh, it's, it's, it's getting close to my bedtime. Uh, I want, let's go around the horn real quick. Um, Joe kind of looking into this week. I mean, Niger really has a 
potential to pop off. Is, is there anything else that you're kind of seeing as something we need to be keeping our eyes on? Well, I would say watch for something to happen at Niger. I would I would bet there'll be a, a US NEO before anything happens. So the indication that an attack yeah, with is the, with the base, probably, right? Yeah, would probably be a US uh, evacuation of uh, Air Base 102. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, Watcher, if you want to bring it up, is today is an auspicious anniversary. Uh, today, uh, 31 years ago today, U.S. Marshal shot 14-year-old Sammy Weaver in the back. Sammy Weaver's dog had just been murdered by a U.S. Marshal who was on, his, on their property with no authority. So Sammy did the one thing that a kid would do when somebody shot his dog. He shot back. He was killed by the Marshals, and Kevin Harris then killed the Marshal who shot Sammy. And that shooting was ruled as lawful self-defense. So it's a um, it's an auspicious one. Uh, I would I would remember that as we're looking at uh, more and more people being killed. Uh, the last two weeks have each seen one person killed by the FBI during a raid, during uh, sketchy early morning raids. So think about that. And also, I wanted to point out some breaking news that. Uh, about a half hour ago, the U.S. Embassy in Belarus advised all U.S. citizens to leave immediately and warned that the uh, that the uh, border crossings into the Baltic states have all been closed. So, anywho. Interesting, interesting. I wonder if that's to do with that. That was one of the stories that we originally were going to cover, but we lost the link. Yeah. Um you know, with the Belarus doing the uh, air assault operation. So, and we never did find out what the final, uh, you know, disposition of Wagner PMC forces in Belarus was. Um, you know, the the reported pullout, I don't think ever happened. So, curious to see what uh, what happens there. Uh, hey, Pete, I'm glad you could uh, join us today. Uh, looking forward to having you on uh, more frequently. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm su I'm sure I'm su we, me and Joe and Watcher, we all talk a lot. So uh, feel free to just jump in and and step on us if, uh, <laughs> yeah. if we're not giving you a, a, a moment. No, uh, you know the part of that is you know me getting back into the groove of you know understanding and, and knowing what the hell's going on in the world. So. Yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah, doing like a big deep dive into you know just Twitter and you know various other resources, um, and so yeah, yeah. Once I kind of you know know what's going on in the world, like you know the whole like Niger thing. Like, the only reason I knew that was because like I swiped a certain way on my phone and it popped up on like, my Google Home. Uh, Did you swipe uh, right on Niger? Ah, people swipe left. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so just like random things, like my wife will tell me, and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I have to research it. But uh, yeah, so that'd be great. And then, um, you know, what thing I'm kind of keeping my eye on is it's a little bit, it's a little ways off, but uh, you know, August 30th uh, will be the two year, two year anniversary of the, uh, the disastrous pullout of Afghanistan. And, um, and so just kind of you know, keep that in the back of your mind and, um, you know, all, and, you know, everything that went down with that and just, you know, our, utter incompetence, uh, not ours, but like certain uh, military leaders incompetence on display during that whole uh, debacle. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, and, it, and it goes back into you know not seeing a, a general officer or leader being uh, fired or, or anything like that for um, uh, you know, getting people killed and just being a poor leader. Yeah, good, good points. Um, 
Watcher, final thoughts? Anything uh, people should? Yeah, be I got I got a little a little bit here. Uh, a, a name you may not have heard in a long time. The House Freedom Caucus has uh, once more emerged from whatever dark hole they've been hiding in to announce that they will uh, apparently, though they haven't kept any of their other promises, they are now going to hold funding uh, and and prevent all government funding and prevent a deal. Uh, unless all wokeness is pulled from the government and uh, a large list of other things, including securing the border and a great wish list that I, I wish we had the leverage to enforce, but we'll see. Hey, eh? did you see that uh, Biden's uh, selling off all the uh, the uh, the bollard fencing that, uh, that I did procured yeah, I for that. the uh, the border wall before it can be saved or or acted upon? I guess there is a there is a bill in uh, in Congress that would uh, force them basically to put up anything that they've already bought, um, and so I guess they want to try to sell it before that bill can get passed. It's crazy. Um, all right, guys, that's about it. Um, you know, I, I'll just kind of uh, just give a basic sh show for the channel before I let you guys go. Uh, so if you haven't done it already, please, if you're 120 people watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel if you've done it already. Uh, hit the bell for notification. Share the link out to everybody. And, of course, smash that like button. Over on Rumble, uh, same, same. Uh, subscribe and like the uh, video uh, if uh, you want to share that rumble's a little harder to find so sharing that link will be very helpful in getting it out to your your uh, buddies and friends uh, so if they click on the link to rumble it goes it opens rumble in the uh, uh, in your browser window so they can avoid any kind of a download or whatever so that's uh, one good thing about sharing the rumble link so appreciate it if you would do that um you can find us all on uh twitter um pretty much you know right here you see my twitter handle same for joe uh pete pete rango if you if you if you search for pete rango on twitter you'll find him very quickly yes. uh and of course the watcher on the web all of our uh social in informations are down below and several of the other guys who are on the uh, channel frequently like blaine and sean and and uh, a couple others are all down there as well. So please uh, give them all a follow. Uh, check us out. Um, and if you've got a story ideas, make sure you're sending them our way because uh, we, you know, we a good idea is where we find it. You know, it's uh, and letting us know what you are interested in uh, is really appreciated. Uh, hey, the last final way, thing. Um, meetup opportunity. I forgot. I just wanted to mention this. Um, yeah, yeah, go October ahead. October 14th and 15th, I will be at the uh, Self-Reliance Festival in Camden, Tennessee. Uh, so if anyone is going to that, go. And if, you, if, you're, if you're into preparedness, uh, think about going to that. Uh, I'll be there. I'm pretty sure Angry is going to join me there and a few others. So. That'll be a lot of cool. That'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to you guys all. Maybe, uh, you, you know, Joe, maybe you should get them all to, to stream a panel together on your channel. Maybe. That, that we'll see who all shows up. I'll definitely do one with me and Bear Independent and Angry American in, uh, later in October, like the next weekend in uh, in North Carolina. So absolutely. 
All right, guys. Well, that's all I've got. Uh, my final thing is uh, please, I've really enjoyed all the comments everybody left over on Rumble after the show. Um, so if you want, uh, it would be very helpful. Leave a comment after the show's over uh, to let us know how we did. Uh, it's, it's just helpful for us. Uh, it's good. It's good to know, uh, what we're doing right. Um, and that's, that's it. Uh, if it wasn't for you guys in the chat, we wouldn't do what we do. And, uh, and without the guys on the CFC, like Joe and Pete and watcher and Stan, who wasn't able to be on today. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to make this channel as cool as it is. So appreciate that. Also, thanks to, uh, you know, guys like, uh, uh, Andrew from uh, Legal Mindset and, you know, Mexican Iron Man is down there in the chat um, from other channels uh, who are helping us get the word out. We appreciate that. Uh, so until Wednesday, you guys all stay safe.